podcast that you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of three podcasters. It is all the more tragic in that they were young, but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and mediocre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic autumn movie viewing became a nightmare. The events of that film were to lead to the discovery of one of the most misguided remakes in the annals of pod people history, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2003. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and does anybody care about me and my boy? Howdy, y'all! I'm Ben, and down here in Texas, everything is bigger. Whether we're talking about houses, eyebrows... Or certain private parts. <laughs> oh dear. Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm here to perform some magic. So instead of calling me Cleveland Mosier, call me by my nickname, which I forgot to say, which is David Blaine Saw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for joining us for part two of our three year podiversary. If you listened to last week's episode, you got to hear us gush about a uh, perfect film for over an hour talking about how it was maybe one of the greatest horror films ever made, how it is a uh, masterclass in atmosphere and production design and sound design and cinematography. And this week for our uh, part two, it is not going to be that. No, it is not. <laughs> if anything, it's going to be the opposite. So strap yourselves in, folks, because we're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. Yeah, it, get ready for a lot of complaining, folks. Dur Just here it comes. Directed, it's <laughs> the film's directed by Marcus Nispel, and it stars uh, Jessica Biel and a bunch of other uh, terrible no-name actors. And Arlie Ermey. So, uh, yeah, and it is uh, famous, of course, for his you, you can't handle the truth speech. Of course. <laughs> um, oh, fuck, man. Where do we even start with this? Uh, this was the first time viewing for all three of us. Yes. Somehow we've been able to make it all these years without ever watching this movie. And uh, now that we've seen it. I wish I had gone longer without seeing it. Is there a way, a way to unsee a movie? Yes. <laughs> Just to but hit you yourself like in the it. head hard enough. Yeah, I was going to say, is the answer lobotomy? Oh, <laughs> uh, God. This, I would, this I would was sign up for that. Rough. Also, uh, death. Yeah, well, okay. We should. I, I want to mention this director was the same guy who did the Friday the 13th remake. The 2009 yes. one? Um, I saw that. On his IMDb page. And I haven't seen that one. It's not but great. But it's I, better than this one. Yeah. Hard to be worse. It's, yeah. It, it, this Similarly with the last one where it's like, where do we start on how good this movie is? This one's like, where do we start on how bad this movie is? I guess we might as well just begin at the beginning. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I mean... It's going to be hard to talk about this movie without, like, ceaselessly comparing it to the original. Oh, yeah, we're just gone. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's worth doing. I think it's a good study, just comparing, like, how you can come so close to a masterpiece and, like, walk in its footsteps and just completely miss the goddamned point yes. of the entire film. Of the entire film, yeah. Like... I think that's a really good point. I think, in comparison last week, when we talked about how much of 
Texas Chainsaw is built in the details, yep. you know, and the attention to details. This one is the exact opposite. It could give two fucks where about the details. It's completely destroyed in... The lack the, of attention to Yeah, detail. exactly. Yeah. We should, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just start the beginning. It begins with almost the exact same voiceover narration of the original. Uh, it, the only thing it removes, as far as I know, is the part about Sally and her invalid brother, Franklin, because those characters aren't in this movie. Uh, no, they just replaced them all. With way worse characters. Yep. Way, way worse characters. Yeah, well, they do the, they do the voiceover and we have kind of a, a similarly macabre but much less effective and interesting uh, montage of, like, dead bodies and shit well, that's just, like, in cheap black and white. Yeah, let's... let's. I, I, I want to talk about that specifically okay. because the intro sequence in the original is, is so masterfully done. It puts you right on the edge of your seats. You feel like you're, like, walking past, like, caution tape during it. Like, you're, you're about to enter something really visceral. The same way, like, those old films used to have, like, the guy come out from behind the curtain and, like, warn the audience, you know, like, yes. like if you have heart conditions, you know, like, stay away. Don't like, watch this spooky this, movie. This film is, like, X-rated and it's gonna fuck you up. Like, I love that. I, I absolutely adore that. And the imagery is so abstract, like, of the rotting corpses. We talked about how it almost looks like sunspots and, and whatnot. And in this one... In this one, they did like old found footage, uh, air quotes on that, because it's it's obvious that they use the same digital cameras and then put a cheap film grain filter over it. It's yeah. like student film, like like obviously fake bad. It's gross. And I'm angry about it. Well, that's a really great lead into my next point, which is one of the greatest sins that this film commits, that it does, or it claims that it also takes place in 1973. It, it's the it's supposed to be a, a direct remake of the original, but the lack of attention to detail is infuriating. There is nothing to suggest the 70s at all. It's the laziest production design I think I've ever seen in what's supposed to be a period piece. For a, a movie that's supposed to be set 30 years before when it was made, they did not put any effort into like costume or set accuracy. In fact, we even were arguing over whether it was actually set in the 70s or not during the movie because it looks so bad and looks like it's just set in the early 2000s. Right, well, because, like, yeah, we were good, like... 10 to 15 minutes into the film if not more and uh you brought up it's like well it's they are doing such a lazy job of making this look like it's set in the 70s and my response was it's set in the 70s <laughs> yeah like I, I i that shit was not clear to me i i was under the impression uh because it was so poorly done and it had that like 90s like filter over it which we're definitely going to get into detail on um that the found footage and the like the 1970s dating at the beginning was referring back to the original film and we were picking up X many generations down the line. Right. I was kind of excited for that because the the idea of like family legacy is a fucked up and creepy thing in the original. And I think that there's a lot of room to have an iteration of Texas Chainsaw that takes place that many generations down the 
line. Oh, where, they've done it. And where, it's not good. Where it's, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like, potential being the key word there. Uh, where like leather, like the old leather face is the old man. Something along those lines. But no, no, no. no. It, it's just it's just in the 70s. They've rehashed it, but they've replaced all the characters and taken anything that was good about the film and removed it what really pisses me off is like if it was like lower budget at least it would be like so bad it's good and there'd be something endearing about it but it's not it's like a it's a fucking soulless hollywood cash grab and it just it reeks of that and so like while we're laughing like we did laugh at the film and have a lot of opportunities to jibe it so like if you're if you're in that kind of a mood to like tear a movie a new one it's a pretty good film to watch because we were just constantly like making fun of it and like laughing at this movie but it's not a good movie and it's a disappointing experience a, a good you know example of how stripping away the naturalism of texas chainsaw doesn't leave much yeah. you know if yeah. you go from a naturalistic movie like texas chainsaw where it's so visceral and horrifying because it feels so real to making something so early 2000s hollywood and so obviously artificial yeah yeah it doesn't work and i think the script in particular does not do it any favors. No. The screenwriting is just awful. It's a the mess. dialogue does not feel like people out of the 70s would say them or actual people, people. would yeah. say these things. I will say it's really bizarre the things that they choose to copy exactly from the original and the things that they choose to just like completely change like having the almost exact same narration open it but then to so dramatically change like the core narrative we'll get into that but let's let's talk about some of these characters i guess um similarly it begins with uh some kids in a van driving through texas but instead of being you know native texans from a couple towns over you know going to check on the cemetery and you know taking a drive instead it's a bunch of fucking out of town douchebags who have just come from mexico to buy marijuana and now they're on their way to a leonard skinnard concert and they fucking suck from the first five minutes i hated all of these characters and that is like the first thing that it does wrong is like how am i supposed to feel for like the horrifying things that these people are about to go through when i'm craving their brutal murder five minutes into the movie you know it's funny because i joked about this during the movie that in some ways it feels like they were trying to make these characters more marketable in that like they sexified yeah you sexify them you know franklin the franklin stand-in is not in a wheelchair he's just a nerd that can barely speak yeah like like half of his lines are incoherent yeah that's that's the thing for for a long for a long time we were trying to figure out if they were trying to make him like a franklin analog but just like disabled in a different way like maybe with like a speech impediment or like mentally uh, handicapped mentally handicapped or something but i think the verdict that we all came to is that that's 
just them trying to depict a stoner and that the actor is so bad that his lines were just incomprehensible. You really can't tell. Like, you you cannot tell if if this is a character with a speech impediment, which could be great, done right. Uh, Usually characters with speech impediments are done, like, really tastelessly. It's not a bad idea. Done well to have a character with a speech impediment um, or a stutter or or something along those lines. I really don't think that's what they were going for. uh, Yeah, you you can't tell. Like, there's, like, multiple, not stutters, but, like, they, like, half-finished thoughts. Like, Like, you get a vibe that, like, some of the dialogue was improv, maybe, and they just didn't get enough good takes or something. I don't know. I, 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 I can't even begin to theorize because, like, its intent is so muddy. It just it's just a character you can't understand. And, you know, they're from out of town because he's wearing a T-shirt that just says New York on it. <laughs> right. And and and, uh, and let us not forget what might be one of the most like grievous sins of this film. And that is uh, we are introduced to these characters as we pan as we we zoom in on their van while they are listening to in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas they are listening to Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, because they're going to the Skinnerd concert in Dallas. Let's let's break that down. There are there are plenty of like cool like Texas musicians like from the seventies you could pick from, but instead they go with Skinnerd and the one of the most recognizable and marketable bands from the, the South. 70s. Now let's from talk the about South, that. And from the, the South, South and the seventies, yeah. and that I think summarizes. One of the key things I hate about these characters so much is I just I get the vibe that the screenwriter sat down and said, yeah, I'm going to write my own character. We're going to write our own characters. And I'm an expert on Southern characters from all the movies I've watched about Southern characters and all the TV shows I've seen. And they just like cherry picked archetypes without any knowledge or feel of like the South or the Deep South. Like the the original film, it, it feels like the characters and the world is all set in like an, a, an authentic like deep southern town like Tisa and I we both grew up like on the like on the the southern coast like seeing a lot of like towns and places like that it felt genuine and this one it's it's just stereotypes and it's well, all like 90s relatable yeah, well, like or two early 2000s like relatable stereotypes so it, the whole thing is just these characters just feel like they're focus tested to to Helen back we'll, and it's gross we'll get more into it in a bit but like we talked about on the last episode how good it was to have like the characters be natives of the environment that they're in so it's not like the out-of-towners coming in and like so the 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 townspeople are unfriendly towards them and you know we we had a brief discussion about whether the the first film reflects poorly on the south or not but i think that there is no doubt that this movie makes the south look really bad like it is a caricature it is, yeah it's a cartoon yeah if this is this is like the quintessential like don't go to the south folks the hillbillies will murder you kind yeah. of movie. Well, I mean, like, yeah, like everybody sucks. That's the thing is like outside of like our protagonists, like the whole town is all inbred cannibal murderers yep. instead of just like this one isolated family living out in the boonies. Mm-hmm. It's like every character they meet in this town is overly sinister and creepy and rednecky. No, this this film has like no good 
person from the South in it. Right. Like they don't exist in yeah, this film. Exactly. And and god damn it. Like <laughs> it's like it's hard this is hardly the first film to do that, but it's just like sure. to take take something like the original that doesn't like really use that stereotype and then to do a remake where it's like, yep, everybody from Texas is a fucking inbred hillbilly well, who's well, gonna eat you. I think I think it emphasizes the point I was I was trying to make last podcast too, where it's like the the southern protagonists at least are like likable like good people right yeah. and they're against a they're normal southern ass, they're normal normal ass people right yeah. and they're against like an evil southern threat when which is you know like the inbred whatever like family but the at least our southern protagonists are still good people and here the whole south looks bad everyone in the south and the south sucks i think from the south like we were, we're allowed to say that but yes. like so like i'm in many ways I, it does yes i feel weird like harping on this point so much because like the south is fucked up and awful like don't get me wrong dear viewers i don't feel a very strong need to defend the south for all the reasons that are obvious but <laughs> like there are there are good people in it you know what i mean well, and, like, that's, that's the all thing, that's the thing like, about the first movie is that like it's not everybody who's a fucking monster mm -hmm. they end up in the wrong place at the wrong time and are preyed upon by monsters this film on the other hand is like yep anywhere you are in the south you're everybody's everybody's a cannibal yeah. well, an inbred cannibal. the heroes I suck think, the villains the suck everyone part sucks. of it that's a problem in this movie is i think the original does kind of make the South look bad in that, like, it makes rural Texas look like a scary place and some of the horror is from the location. Where in this movie, I think when every character from the South is sadistic and sinister, no character really feels particularly yeah, intimidating. Sure. It flattens out everything. It doesn't make the location feel sinister in the same way because it feels less real and more flat it's overall. cartoonish Here, yeah here's what i will say and agreeing with you largely uh rural texas pretty much rural anywhere in the south it is a scary place uh exactly exactly <laughs> like, facts are facts just looking at the environment let's pull back away let's take the the people out of the equation which again is i think what is the saving grace of of the original the environment itself is hell the south fucking sucks there are all kinds of snakes and bugs and and other bullshit that will kill you like the number of times as a child like playing in the woods in the south that i almost died is ridiculous it is a gift that i am here like playing along like playing in like swamps and forests on the gulf coast encountering water moccasins and all kinds of shit like that like i mean like I will regularly say that, as a kid that, like it, yeah, it's a thing. us and millions of other southerners who are also still well, alive in here today yes so like it's i let's not let's not over exaggerate the horrors of the south too much it's just a different way of life that you grow I, up i, I think yeah. i think things. the horror of that is indicated well in the original though because it feels like the heat and the yes. location is brutal and it plays into the survivalism and the visceral feeling and the heat of the original <laughs> whereas with this movie gone yeah they they thought it would be a good idea to hey you know what uh, let's let's try something different. Let's put a blue filter on every single shot. It's got that. It's got that early two thousands cool bluish green filter that like every horror movie from that era pretty much has. What a travesty! Yeah, what a goddamn well, travesty! 
And and I mean, to try and fail to give the impression that it's in the 70s as well, they've also desaturated the film because, you know, in the past there was less color, you know? So, because flashbacks, right. I guess, is the thought. But, like, the fact of the matter is, if you want your film to look like it's set in the 70s, Technicolor is colorful. Yeah, well, I mean, Technicolor has been around since the 30s, too. Like, like shit has been colorful forever, you know? So it's like, and, and that's what the original has going for it so well, is it feels so hot. Like Ben is saying, everything mm -hmm. is warm, more than warm, but color-wise, it's warm, and it's like tactile and it feels sweaty all the characters are constantly sweating but nope they won't do that to to our our kid characters in this movie because they all got to be sexy you know and sweating is not sexy the only sweaty characters in the movie are the the evil hillbilly texans that live there that and live there the right. weather right you know and it's one of the best you know examples of the change here is they have a like a move in towards the house in one shot and they they're high on it so you see a lot of the sky and the sky is just full Gray, of clouds yeah. you know and it's like yes of course there's clouds in texas too but like that does not indicate especially when paired with the the bluish tint to everything that does not scream you know no hot well on top of that too those shots were largely cg matte paintings which has me livid and i love a good cg matte painting like in the right context and environment i, I do matte paintings like it, it, it's my jam but like the fact of the matter is is like you, you're telling me you couldn't like fucking leave your set location and like just find a spooky house for an exterior you couldn't actually nope. like find this environment you had to you had to do like a, a, a fucking like cg backdrop for a spooky southern house fuck off off. Like, well, yeah, because you know, you know that that unlike the original, they didn't just like go find a house and make that their set. Yep. They built the facade of this set, and then, sh or they built the facade they of built the a house. Lot of sets, yeah, and then the in the whole inside of the house was obviously a set, multiple, you know, yeah. multiple sets, and sets that like don't make sense in the context of like the house, and not in a like kind of shining way where it's supposed to be disorienting but in a like you didn't think out the actual like architecture of this house that they're supposed to be in that's another thing like the basement I, what the fuck is going on we'll get to the basement oh yeah i don't want to get i don't want to get too ahead <laughs> i've got a lot of thoughts baby on steps that. yeah um, there's a lot of ground like, we gotta cover one of the things that i love about the house in the original is that from the outside it just looks like a house you know, just like any kind of old ranch style house that you would see, you know, in the South, kind of dilapidated, but, you know, very normal. The horror is on the inside. This house, for this movie, they turned it into a huge, imposing, like, plantation style house with, like, big columns, you know, to make it look intimidating and spooky. And yeah, it's they like, turned it into a missing, castle. You're missing the fucking point. You're missing the fucking point. Yeah, like it's it's just another house. Like, yeah, like you exactly. say, like yeah. it, it is. It's it's a house where you feel comfortable knocking on the door. Um, yeah, it's like, a house that you wouldn't think twice about because, mm -hmm. like, oh, we need some gas. Let's walk up and knock on these people's door. Like, if you saw this house in the 2003 version, be like, ah, well, that looks abandoned. I'm not going in there. I'm turning my ass around and walking away. Yeah, if people are in there, they're not cool. 
you yeah. know, like like and it looks like a haunted house. No, yeah, it like, looks the, like a haunted house. The, it has like like old like Southern Gothic columns, but they're they're made with like cinder blocks, which I thought was a really yeah, weird yeah, choice. What's that about? Um, uh, well, like because cinder blocks are brutalism, I guess, and so like it's it's supposed to be like again like castle like and daunting, and again, but it's a plantation style house, which were meant to be signs yeah. of wealth and so, austerity. So yeah. why are we one feeling comfortable knocking on the door and two? trusting the people inside yeah what the f- like like let alone knocking on the door no no they they actually like trust some of the folks in there what a great way to like to think our protagonists are like smart and likable like good lord now the original had a giant spooky house but it's owned by the protagonist right so yeah like mm-hmm. it it works because like the, the, of course they trust it like it's their property and that's not where the horror happened it's exactly. like let's just go let's yeah. just go explore my grandpa's old dilapidated house which we know? didn't we didn't talk about but that is an amazing subversion too yeah. like and and, and uh, we should have because the that idea of like the the teens coming up on like this old dilapidated building like this giant like multi-story house that's covered in vines and is falling apart and we even see the little like uh like some of the the creepy animal art like like let Leatherface has been there, like, or, and, or yeah. some of his, his family has, has been there, and they've wandered little around. To- little bone mm. totems and so shit left behind. We, we assumed the, the teens are going to get killed there. Like, we assumed that, like, that's that's the place where Leatherface is going to be hanging out. So when they go to, like, the neighbors next door, it is a legitimate surprise that that's where the monster is. Yeah. And that's cool. And, God, to fuck it up so bad, to just make, like, that house the big spooky monster house— God, just the idiocy. I, I I can't even. Well, it's sacrificing the details again for the broad strokes. You know, like with mm-hmm. the original, one of the things that I think works so well in the original is the generator. The use of the generator for the house. Because the house itself doesn't look spooky. But you see the generator and everything running on the generator. And once you, you know, you enter the space you realize, oh, hey, this is because they're completely separated from society and running off of the grid Yeah, they're completely. running their whole house off of a gas and, generator. And that yeah. makes everything seem more sinister you know with those little details well it's it's the it's the slight diversions from the mundane and the normal in the original that build the tension before you get into like the more explicit stuff like the bone room and shit like that it's it's the little things and well, let's let's ease into some of that in, in this in this film. The problem is that like everything off the bat is so immediately sinister and spooky. Everything is. First, let's talk a bit about the inciting incident. Oh my god. And the hitchhiker. How it, the hitchhiker. And well, in this one, it's not really a hitchhiker. They just find this this uh woman wandering on the road and she seems to, you know, be traumatized by something. Well, because they had to do the 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 typical startlement while driving bit. Once again, just like going for the cliche instead of like just picking up a hitchhiker, right? Right. Because the, and like, again, missing the point where like in the original version, the guy that they pick up is just a hitchhiker on the side of the road. He enters the car. He looks a little funny, but we're not sure yet. And then he immediately makes himself like weird and sinister, but once he's in the car and in a believable way, Mm -hmm. you know, and in, in a way that they're like, well, I don't know, you know, like maybe this guy's kind of like mentally ill, like let's not, you know, startle him or anything, you know, that, 
that all feels believable. In this, they pick up this woman, but we're already we're already tense, right? Because like they they have a near miss with her, like something is obviously wrong. Yeah, they the almost film is run already her over. The film has already attention. told us to be scared before scary has happened. So, and and yeah, and she's you know she's pretty much catatonic. She's not talking sense. She's mumbling about uh, how she wants to go home, and they're like, "Oh, we'll drive you home." Blah blah blah. blah all this stuff. You know, she looks really rough. You know, they're driving down the road. And she starts freaking out, saying, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Like, just having a a total fit. And then we see that she's got, like, some, some, like, blood on her inner thighs. And it's like, okay, well, something horrible has obviously been done to this woman, whatever. But then she reaches in between her legs and pulls out a pistol. A big one. A big pistol and puts it into her mouth and blows her brains out in the back of the van. Now, let's be real. Big Pussy isn't just a Sopranos character. (laughs) Jesus. Like, it's... It's just good lord. Like, I, I, I hate. I, I hate. I hate the, like even having to talk about this, but I, I need to. Like the, it's so confusing. Like, it's okay, so, so confusing. just to set up for our audience who are the the members of our audience who uh, fortunately haven't seen this yet. Like let's like to really paint the picture here. She's sitting in the back seat, right? She's wearing a mini. She's got like a mini skirt on. Like it's not she's wearing a, a, a short dress. A short, a short yeah. skirt, and um, it's not. It's not very like like it, it goes up to like middle thigh. Like mm-hmm. short skirt. And when they start going the direction she doesn't want, she gets up and is like leaning forward, struggling and moving around to try and get them to go in a different direction. And they push her back onto the seat. Also, she's been walking around. Yeah. Right. There is nowhere else this gun could be. Then, uh, and, uh, like, I don't know, like, if it's even, like, a trigger warning thing or what, l- literal trigger warning, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but no, the, the gun is inside her. That is the only logical conclusion. And, and, well, you up, know what and they up say. there far enough that like, it wouldn't have been jostled. You know what they say. To quote, to quote Rick and Morty, it's, it's way up there. Yeah. Everything's yeah. bigger in Texas, Hardy yeah. Har. And what what is just, like... It it is just the kind of shit that like should be the most like fucking upvoted post on bad women's anatomy like on Reddit. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's just like it's so not how people do. It's something that's so obviously manufactured for the shock value yep. that it completely ignores the logic of what they're actually implying. Yeah. In a way that immediately breaks any shallow immersion you might like, have had in this film a, up to an the point entire this pistol, point. like a like a, <laughs> like a goddamn Colt Python. Like this is a huge gun, like an entire gun, just way up. It's there. like even before we see the rest of the movie, we can of course assume that she has escaped from Leatherface and the yeah. family. You yeah. know, obviously. Okay, sure. If that's the case, fine. Why would she not be holding on to that pistol with both hands for dear life? Uh, like, so why that would... we can be su- so we can be exactly. subverted. Exactly, that's yep. my point. Exactly, uh-huh. and and it is so dumb, goddamn. It's it's so incredibly stupid, and I hate it. It makes me angry. Yeah, it's it's really really fucking bad. They watch this girl blow her brains out with her pussy gun, um, <sighs> and then they they uh, stop at a gas station. You know. 
to call the sheriff or whatever. And, you know, this is supposed to be the analog of the gas station in the original, you know, where they get barbecue and like the old man at the gas station tells him like, ah, you shouldn't go around playing in houses that aren't yours. Like you could get hurt, blah, 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 all this shit, you know, where before we realize later in the movie that he's one of the Sawyer family, you know, he's a little weird, but he seems like he's looking out for him. Like, ah, no, those girls don't want to go walking around some old house. Like, why don't you just stay here, have some barbecue, the gas truck's coming later, and then you can be on your way. You know, quaint southern gas station that also does barbecue. Mm -hmm. It makes sense in the narrative, too, because that way he can't be implicated. Right. You know, it makes perfect sense. But in this movie... Yeah. They go into the gas station and it's dimly lit with flickering bulbs and there's a meat counter with a whole pig's head in it and all the meat is covered in flies. And it's just like, okay, spooky, scary gas station. Why does this have to be sinister? And like the lady behind the counter is sinister and creepy and unhelpful and calls the sheriff and says, well, the sheriff wants you to go meet him at the old sawmill. Yeah, the dialogue is Why? a mess in that scene. Why? I mean, it's a mess in every scene, but, but they're like, again, like there are multiple, like you can see like the actors fumble their lines and they just left that cut in there. And it's like, <laughs> wow, that was your best take. Cool. All right. It's another case of replacing details with the broader strokes, too, and dumbing things down. Yep. Because in the original, you know, they did have barbecue at the gas station, but later on we find out it's human meat. You know, it becomes scarier with context later. Right. That's that's a subversion later instead of immediately making the the Mm. fucking gas station spooky. This whole whole film. For surface level gratuity i would say rather than you know leaving things up to the imagination and having to put things together you know piece things together in your mind and it makes it less scary honestly i mean in every way nothing scary when everything's blowing our brains out is a good example you know they they go for the gratuitous shot of like going through her school yeah where the hole is and it's like yes it's gory and gross but like it's not scary. No. Because nothing is left to the imagination. Yeah. You know, it just shows you outright what it is. And it sets and it sets a precedent for gratuity right off the bat so that when there's actual quote unquote horror stuff later, it's completely robbed of the impact because at this point we've been led to expect that. I mean, and they do that in every way. It's the most brutal shot in the movie, I think. It probably is, yeah. yeah. It's like they blow their load almost immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no tact, no, like, no build-up, no control. Yeah, just, just immediately blowing their load. And it's honestly, like, so many of my complaints about this film boil down to that. I cannot remember the, the specific moments, but there are several times throughout the film where... They do the thing, if you want to piss me off, a great way to do it, uh, I mean, a a very elaborate way to do it, would be to make a film where you have your horror sting before the horror happens. I fucking hate that shit. It makes me so mad because it's just, it's so easy. It's so easy to just have silence and for me to not expect it. I've talked before about, like, how I don't mind a jump scare. You know what I mean? If it's well done, it's classy. Well done, that has purpose. Yeah, that has has design. Uh, uh, See our our recent episode on, um, what was the Skype movie? What was it called? Uh, the uh, host. host. Yeah, like, you know, the host. There, there are great ways 
ways to do those. But here it does that bullshit where like the the tense industrial music starts before the scare. So it's telling you like, get ready. Be scared. We're going to scare you. Are you ready to get scared? And so when it comes, I'm just like, yeah, I I know you you were going to jump scare me. Like, I'm aware. Cool. Like, instead of like me actually like like feeling like legitimate fear when God in uh, the the original film. Here we go again and again. Um, I mean, we warned you. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's impossible. Like, to not. like in the original film, when they first kill, what's his name? Blonde guy. Kurt. Kurt. When they first feel when they Kirk. when they kill Kirk, he walks down that hallway and then like Leatherface just pops out. Hits him in the head. No music lead up. No music. Just silence. Like Leatherface just pops out, hits him in the head, drags him back under and slams the door. And it's the it's, door slamming. It's like the actual like like the sound of it. Like that's all the, the sound effects or musical stings that it's you the, need. It's the punctuation on like the very brief extreme violence like we we talked about that a lot like in the a last door spider right how how short and sudden and unexpected all of the violence is that it's there it happens it's done and in the original that moment where he fucking where leatherface just slams that that sliding metal door is like the perfect punctuation for that and that is the first instance of real horror we get in that movie we're teased that there might be something not right here mm. when they're walking up to the house mm. and you see With all the hitchhiker the like there are thrills well, and chills but i mean yeah but the the hitchhiker up till that point in the movie is is not associated with the house. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. left the hitchhiker behind. You know, they come up to the house, they see all the cars, and it's like, okay, that's weird. There's a lot of old cars here. And Kirk finds the tooth, the human tooth on the porch. And it's like, okay, that's weird and creepy, but also, like... You know, within the realm of believability, I guess, you know, maybe some like old redneck guy was out working and he knocked a tooth out and it, you know, whatever. And then it's like Kirk walks into the house and we don't see anything that seems wrong. It's like you've got that red wall with all of the mounted skulls and animal heads like that's kind of creepy. And then Leatherface pops out, hits him over the head, slams the door. That's that. In this movie... We've already had the gas station at that point. We've had the fucking girl blowing her brains out. They they walk up to the house and have the interaction with the old man in the wheelchair who is unfriendly and creepy. And we have the factory too, where they find the little kid. Where they find the, the little spooky little kid. The spooky little kid who's there for some reason. And it's like everything leading up to this is like it's it's the classic horror movie thing where you're screaming don't go in the house you stupid fucking idiot you know in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre we don't get that because everything is within the realm of reality and believability up until all of a sudden it gets horrifying and we get the same kind of kill where Leatherface pops out and hits Jessica Biel's boyfriend in the head with a much larger hammer uh, than in the original and you know drags him into the the hallway and slams the door but 
it's built up with like we see Leatherface like watching them through these little peepholes that he has all over the house. We know he's there. We know that like we get the feeling that the the old man in the wheelchair is like luring them into the house. We know to expect when they walk in and, that somebody's gonna and, die. And again, the music is telling us before and it happens too. It's like building yeah. up. It's like da, 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 and the music. Yeah, the music like, is you, telegraphing. You know that it. scary things are coming. The music is telegraphing it to such an absurd degree that when that moment actually happens, where Leatherface appears. It's completely robbed of the surprise of it. Yeah. Where it's it's anticipates telegraphed. Mm-hmm. So it's it totally deflates that sudden shocking brutality that we get from the original film. It's another just example of of how this this movie just comes across as like so g- fucking greedy. Yeah. You know, like it's so cash grabby and that like it needs to scare you that like like it's like asking you afterwards like did i do a good job you're gonna pay me now yeah you know like kind of shit like it's it's so fucking focus tested like fucking garbage like i hate it like it makes me mad and also that part is preceded by the the old man in the wheelchair like emptying his colostomy bag in the toilet and falling out of his wheelchair as an excuse for jessica beal to help him up so he can grope her like and it's just like why is any of this shit fucking necessary right and also like like the fact that like she goes in to help this guy who is like super standoffish creepy and weird is already just a huge a huge red flag very unfriendly leering in a obviously creepy old evil way in in his big old evil castle house like clearly a monster and then they they just they have to put in such a bad job of suspension of where he he feels her up and it's just like holy shit like that kind of shit like okay so last time i I made a note about like how the cameraman like got a little got a little horny you know um which again Horniness, especially like in hindsight, like talking about it, like horniness is okay. Like yeah, it's okay to be horny. There's like one upward you're, facing you're shot allowed, of the girl's asses at the yeah, coke machine. And, like, like it's it's okay to be a little horny, but like in this movie, like it that moment feels exploitative. Yeah. Like um and uh, th- sleazy, that's sleazy, and and not for the right reasons at all. Anyway, so this character does that, and our 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 quote protagonist like encounters all this stuff. Here's some sort of a noise in the background and uh, looks around for her friend to see like where he's gone off to. And the old fucking creepo tells her he's gone back to their, their bus or whatever. And she just fucking takes yep. him at face value and takes leaves. Word, yeah. Like this is clearly a murder house. There is, there is no question at this point. Like, I don't care how fucking stupid you are. This place has got to like, just smell awful. It's a nightmare realm. And she just takes the demon at, at, at face value. And it's like, Oh, I guess this guy is right. And goes back to the car and is legitimately surprised when he's not there. Right. Exactly. Like, when she gets back, she's like, stupid. where's a, what's his face Kemper I think his name like where's Kemp it's like is he I thought he was with you he's not with you well where is he at oh then? my god it must have been the evil hillbillies then, they lied to me and who then, would have thought and then and then they go back to the house to look for him and ask about his whereabouts again yep what the fuck 
Oh, let's let's take a, a brief diversion and talk about uh, one of the film's only saving graces, and that is Arlie Ermey. Yes, please. As I, the I, sheriff, I need, I need Cause a reprieve because we've, we've 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 jumped over him a little bit in the in the events of the the chronological events of the film. Um, for some reason, the woman at the gas station tells them to go meet the the sheriff at the old abandoned sawmill, which should just be another enormous red flag. You know, they go there, they're walking around uh, looking in the abandoned sawmill. They're startled by a possum in a locker, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, they find good. <laughs> they find they find the little hillbilly boy with the obviously fake teeth uh, because, you know, it's Texas. So everybody here must be, uh, you know, gross. And, and have they, bad they never teeth. ask him like, yo, why are you living in a factory? Yeah. Like, why are you? Why are he's you got a little out? bed. He's got like, like, it's clearly like where he lives. And it's like, yo, kid, like, you all right here? Like, um, but then yeah. the, the they they debate uh they still have the the hitchhiker's body in the in the van with the bullet hole and the brains and blood and everything and they debate just tossing her out of the van and leaving so they can make it to the Skinner concert on oh, time. Oh, which they also, they toss the pinata and it never comes back again. Oh yeah, the pinata full of weed. Yeah, like they, they had a pinata full of weed and they tossed it out in the field and like, there was just, that was just ready to be picked up again or like be brought back to at any point. Like we had a perfectly cool like comeback yeah. plot device and it was Whatever. just never used again. It just was shit. forgotten about. Chekhov's a, pinata. Yeah, like pinata. it, it would have been great. Like the sheriff could have been like, well, I found this near the, the the scene you know like they already had the prop like right. come on but yeah. no no they, we couldn't get a return on that one but because uh, they still yeah. play that up you know you know that was in the original script it had to have been right because he does confront them about the weed but well, i'm getting ahead of myself Let's, well because he, yeah, he finds yeah he finds a roach on their dashboard yeah um but yeah so finally when jessica beale and her boyfriend go off the rest of them are hanging out back at the at the van and the sheriff finally shows up and thank god it's arlie ermy yeah uh, and of course for our viewers, Arlie Ermey, um, he's way uh, too good for this uh, movie. Famously known for his one-liner, "Dead or alive, you're coming with me." Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because when he first showed up, in my head, I thought it was uh, Robert Forrester. Yeah, well, they look kind of similar. Yeah, and they're both like classic character actors. I had to look it up actually, uh, but the most striking thing about Arlie Ermey, in general, but in particular with this movie is his eyebrows his big bushy ass eyebrows and of course his ears like fold under his hat <laughs> oh yeah his uh his, 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 texas, his texas sheriff cowboy hat mm-hmm. um i yeah i didn't recognize him at first either he looked familiar but it wasn't until you pointed out that it was Arlie Army that I realized it was him because he's not the kind of actor that I would be looking for in a movie this bad. You know, it's just like, it's like, oh shit, yeah, it is him. And he absolutely, like, credit to him, he does as much as he can with this role. He plays, like, the evil Texas sheriff at devouring the scenery 100 percent, yeah chewing up the scenery is not even Uh, enough very similar to to ian mcdermott in the prequels like he is the only like person on the set who recognizes the tone (laughs) the only good tone this movie that this movie should have had yeah like if this movie was like like so wacky so bad it's good like if everyone was like uh like arlie ernie it would have been fine yeah and honestly uh, like 
there's a proven record of Texas Chainsaw. If you don't go naturalistic, go campy. Yeah, look at Texas Chainsaw Two. That's a movie that goes full on camp instead of realism, and it's all the better for it. I think if this movie just went camp with it, like Arlie Ermey brings, I think it would be all the better yeah. for it. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I couldn't pick a lane, and it's a it's a shitty warm milk middle ground that's just fucking yeah. uh, warm milk isn't he's, a term, but you get, you get what I mean. Lukewarm, <laughs> lukewarm, uh, fucking bullshit. Yeah, he's uh, he's great. He uh, you know he's questioning them about the body or whatever. He's obviously not taking it seriously. He's cracking jokes about her death and whatnot. He goes into to his car and pulls out a roll of saran wrap uh which is one of my favorite details uh they they <laughs> he just comes out and just they wrap her up in saran wrap and uh you know move her to to his car from from the the start there's obviously something sinister and wrong with him too you know that's that's no subversion uh when later you know he finds the roach on their dashboard which is like why are you do why are you keeping your fucking roaches on well, your dashboard in your car and it's it's um, well also like he's been in the car for a long time like he'd already had the full scene where like he can he wraps up the corpse in saran wrap uh like he's been in this car for a, a goddamn while and then later when he comes back, then he does the like like smells the air and says like oh it smells he, and he does a he does a funny one liner uh, it is funny what what is it like uh, I don't remember yeah anyway it smells like uh, smells like bullshit you know kind of thing oh and, yeah I um, smell bullshit yeah because yeah. it's funny because he smells weed but like. He's I been mean, in the car for like a while. Like he he didn't just now smell it. Like yeah, that, there's pounds of weed in the car. Yeah. Well, no, well not threw, anymore because they, 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 they were in the pinata. Yeah. Checkout's pinata. Yeah, they threw it away. That is a detail that I'm willing to forgive because there's also a decaying corpse and a bunch of brain matter in the car. So maybe the smell of that like overwhelmed the smell of marijuana, and that maybe he was a little more concerned with the the corpse instead of the roach in the in the ashtray. But um, he does, uh, you know, go full uh, what you would come to expect from cops uh, and, you know, goads the the stoner who may or may not uh, have a speech impediment uh, into pulling a gun on him. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's telling him to, to reenact what, uh, what the girl, the hitchhiker did, you know, so sit here and show me exactly what she yeah, did. He makes hands him her, put the gun in his fucking mouth. Put, yeah. It makes him put the gun in his mouth, obviously trying to like goad him into being, into turning the gun on him, which he does. And he pulls the trigger. And of course the gun is empty. You know, it's very obvious. We all see it coming it's like ah okay you tried to shoot well, I, I predicted it like yeah, in you, real time you you tried to shoot a cop like, so now we can uh, it's you know it's just like that's bullshit when like you can just like the scene is playing out and you should be like well the gun's gonna be empty blah 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 before the guys even put it in his mouth i was saying that i was just like yeah the gun's empty and this honestly that's one of the that's one of the more believable scenes in the movie because like cops do that shit you yeah. know in real life uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh a cab so uh, 
something. So politics. that that scene that scene is is pretty fun, um, but you know then it it turns into more of your generic horror when he drags the 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 stoner away and Leatherface shows up to attack Jessica Beale and the other girl at the van um, wearing Jessica Beale's boyfriend's face, which is. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, can we can we talk a little more about that? First, I want to talk about how that's preceded by a scene of Leatherface threading a needle and, you know, finally crafting, yeah. you know, this, this mask. Yeah, like delicately you know, work operating a sewing machine. Which is a little odd. And then we see him take his mask off. Yeah. And oh. we see the weirdo face under it. Okay, okay. God damn it. God damn it. How, how could I forget? Sorry, this makes me fucking angry. Um, all right, so... Whoo, where to begin? Where to begin? Okay, let's, let's start with a small ass. detail. Let's start with a small detail, which is... Uh, uh, whatever, movie magic, who gives a shit, but I, I'm gonna mention it anyway, and that is that, like, there's not been enough time to make a full-on mask of their friend. Tanning leather takes time. You have to put that shit out in the sun. No one cares. That's fine. But let's move on to, like, the actual, like, film bullshit, like, that needed to goddamn change. Our second time seeing Leatherface, he takes his mask off! Yeah. What? Of course they do the the horror movie thing, and that his face under the mask is horrifying as well. Right, which Which is is so dumb! Which is unnecessary. What have you done? Like, the original film... Sorry. The original film never shows you Leatherface's face. No. Right? We don't need to. We don't need to. And and it's better for it. Yeah, well, it's, it's that it's Michael scarier. Myers type of thing. You know, the, the idea of what's behind the mask is scarier than, you know, what you could see. Yeah. And we only get glimpses of his real face in the original. You know, we get the gross teeth and him yeah, licking the teeth. Yeah, you can see teeth. his teeth. Yeah. But also, like, as But, like, behind t- the eyes, it looks like a relatively normal face, which is scarier. Well, and that's the thing, because as we talked about in the last episode in the original we see him wearing multiple different faces assumedly to take on different personalities yes so whereas in the original leatherface is as as somebody who only communicates through like grunts and squeals like he's obviously severely mentally disabled and abused and wears the faces of others to take on personalities to hide behind to make himself feel safe you know he wears the woman's face at the dinner table because he's assuming the matriarchal role at the dinner table instead in this one leatherface kills people because he has a skin condition that makes him look ugly and people bully him. That is Fuck direct off. exposition yep. that they give Fuck us in the movie right where everything off. that I've described from the original is implied yeah. in what we observe, how we observe his behavior, what he's doing, how he acts. We're allowed Instead to put the pieces movie, together ourselves. They tell us, oh, that poor boy, he has a skin condition and everybody makes fun of him, but he wouldn't hurt a fly, even though we see him running around cutting people up with a chainsaw, obviously relishing being sadistic and evil whereas as i mentioned in the last episode when he kills people in the original 
it seems almost out of fear. It's like, who are these people who are, who are in my house? Ah, shit, I'm going to kill, you know, yeah. I smash It's, it's animalistic. Yeah. It's a, right. And it's, it's a trapdoor spider. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just operating as it does. And it's like, to, to take that, to take something that actually has some interesting depth and things that you can read into it and turn it into, ah, it's, a man with a skin condition is yep. evil because people bullied him. Yeah. They and, give us the whole story. But not only do they give us the whole story, which which boring slasher villain again to to give us the lore of the monster at all, like is agree is egregious enough. But to do it before he can like get any kills in is just just or get more than one or two. It's yeah. just, just it's fucking baby brained. It's fucking smooth brain nonsense. How do you think that's scary? Like, how do you think that like showing us the whole monster, telling us its whole backstory, is scarier than actually like letting us just try and figure out what the fuck is going on? Like letting us as the viewer be the babe in the woods. Let us like try and like run and be a sca- and be afraid and be scared. Instead, we know everything that's coming. The music is telling us everything that's coming, and I fucking hate it. I hate it so goddamn and let's, much. And let's not forget about uh, how they give Leatherface the uh, tried and true slasher villain's teleportation powers, where he just happens to get ahead of people he's chasing when he was momentarily right behind them. The the, the drying example. linen. <laughs> That was legitimately hilarious. It really was. The The stoner guy escapes uh, and he's running through the yard uh, with Leatherface hot on his heels with his chainsaw. And he's running through their their drying linens, the, the sheets that are hung up on the on the clotheslines. <laughs> and it is just absolutely nauseating, fast-paced editing. Probably 30 shots in the span of a few seconds, you know, cutting back and forth between him running, Leatherface behind him, sheets flapping, getting caught in things. Extremely, Extremely disorienting. Di- he's an maze of sheets. Difficult. He's clearly, he's, he's run, he's run a good uh, 100, 150 feet. He's really <laughs> fucking booking through these sheets. He's getting turned around in this, like, this maze of sheets as the, the, the camera keeps cutting back and forth. Like, we're, we are just so confused as to, like, where we are and how far he's made it down this place. He's clearly, he's lost sight of Leatherface behind him. And then suddenly at the last moment, he turns and Leatherface is, is right in front, front of him. him. And cuts him down. Cuts his, his yeah. leg off, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, Leatherface picks him up and drags him away. And we see in we the background, sh- we get a wide shot. We get shot. a full background shot of the actual distance that this man ran. And it's 10 feet. If. Yeah, it may be maybe 30 feet. It feels it's, like it's probably it's, about the length of this room it's, total. It's it's maybe 30 feet and like five or six drying sheets. Yeah, it is. You can you can cross it in a in, in a second. It feels like the Monty Python bit yes. where they're showing the person running and it just cuts back to the same, the same <laughs> shot of him running yeah. back and forth and then cuts and he's just there. Yeah, the Holy feels, Grail with the guy running yeah, up to the yeah. castle. Yeah, you know, it is it is just like that. It's and, just like that. But in in that instance since it's done for comedic effect yeah, like, and it's similarly funny yeah, in this movie but, but in in like, a, like in a like movie that if, should not be funny if we step back from the 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 garbage editing like and we just look at the sequence the guy runs from one end to the other of this like 30 foot like if <laughs> if we're being generous couple of sheets drying and somehow he looks behind him and leatherface is there and then looks forward and leatherface is there less than a second and leatherface is in front of him like like he t- like he has actual 
actual teleporting like Ninja Gaiden like abilities. And that's not the only time he does it either. It happens again a couple of times yeah. during the extremely extended uh, chase of Jessica Beale, you know, all through the field and the woods and then into the meat factory, uh, which we'll come back to um, in a little bit. But yeah, it's just like. It's so frustrating yeah. in comparison to the way Leatherface is, is treated in the original. Because, like, he's terrifying in the original, but he doesn't break the laws of physics. No. You know? No, he's, not... he's terrifying because he doesn't. Exactly. Like, like he's believable. He's real. Like, like he, he, you get the vibe that, like, yo, like, maybe, like some farmhouses in the south like like where like they're so cut off from civilization get this fucked up you know like maybe that happens he's a big hossy farm boy you know like that's the thing is like sally is faster than him but he keeps coming yeah like he doesn't get tired like that's that's the thing is like every time she looks over his shoulder he's just a few feet behind Mm -hmm. her you know like that's that's what's so scary about it but it's like in this it's like well they somebody will be running and he'll be right behind him and then he's not and then all of a sudden he's in front of him. I'll, I'll tell like, you Ugh. I'll tell you exactly what the goal is here and I made the joke during the movie and that is they they took this character and they said yo you made this point too Ben it's like we need to sell leather face masks we need to yes. merchandise the fuck out of Leatherface. Oh, no, that was me. And was... so, um, oh, yeah, yeah, your, your point about, like, how the, the mask, it looks, it looks like it the looks Spirit Halloween one. It looks just awful. Yeah, yeah, it looks it's, like it's, rubbery. it's sold at Halloween Express because, as you mentioned, it yes. is. I think, every, like, every year since this movie it, came out, you have been able to find that exact Leatherface it mask. It's really heavily textured. deep in latex. Yeah. I think it, it looks, like, mechanically made. Like, I think, I think that, like, the the makeup people like put a lot of work into it like there's a lot of budget put into his mask but the problem is like it's clear that there's budget put into his mask the original again like it looks like poorly made because it's poorly made like that's the whole idea that's why it's creepy it's a person's face made out of leather made by a by like a like a a, a cannibalistic monster like it's not supposed to be like well yeah, who, who has the who has the intelligence of a child right like, like it's so it works but here we don't get that but like the the, the way that it leatherface is introduced stitched the way and, yeah. the way like if you look at the pacing of leatherface's introduction and we look at like when leatherface is like his identity is shown and we look at how he's shown in like the third sequence, like the lead up for the the chase um, that we were just talking about. Like the lead up for that sequence is him stepping out. We get shots, a full shot of him, and then he lifts the chainsaw and he starts yeah. it and the music revs up as well. And at the same moment, like while he's walking out and like the music is doing like a da 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 da, like here comes the monster. Like, like the music is pulling some bullshit like that. I started going because they vadered him like they were just like yeah what iconic monster works really well like let's turn leatherface into like a super marketable darth vader i hate it it makes me so angry like it's just it's such a capitalistic goddamn grab um where they're just like yeah like this worked in star wars let's turn him into vader yeah they're just like it's the texas chainsaw massacre so let's let's really zoom in on the chainsaw i mean you also have to consider too and i think this is the i think this is the real reason they did that is like this is coming in 2003 after all of the other slasher films of the 80s and 90s and all of their sequels. When the original Texas Chainsaw came out in 74, 
it was in many ways the first of its kind. Yeah. And then it's followed by uh, lots of other great films and great franchises, you know, Halloween a few years later, um, uh, Friday the 13th and all of its sequels. But it's like by the early 2000s, a slasher film culture has reached its peak and if anything, by this point is now on the decline. And whereas... In the original, you have a believable and still scary villain. They felt the need to turn Leatherface into another Jason, into another Michael Myers. You know, the uh, the unstoppable evil killer, and oh. it's just that like that's not the ethos of that character, as far as I'm concerned. What, what I will say about the decline is, I think that we're on the rise of seeing like good films of that nature again, and it's oh, a, we are it's now. A weird, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely uh, no, now. I'm talking decline in, in like 2000. Yeah, 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 definitely fair. But like, to, yeah, yeah. To, to bring an example of a film uh, which we 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 covered extensively on the podcast, but I I do want to bring it up because I didn't have this perspective at the time. Is a surprisingly similar film in motifs um, or in core themes, and again, just essentials, just core. Is Midsummer actually? And again, I know that's a weird. I, I see a weird look on your face, but let me explain. Right, culturally, like the idea of the, these people going in and exploring this strange culture. They're getting killed off one at a time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the initial horror in Midsummer comes from external events. Like it's not just them being chased by the monster. It's the it's the cliff face. You know, in, in Midsummer, like mm-hmm. they're the the lead up and the pacing of that film, I, I find to be like somewhat similar. The the ending and the conclusion is not, but I get a lot of the same feelings I get in Midsummer that I that I do that I do from like the original Texas Chainsaw, like and especially like in the attention to detail and all the rest. Like whereas like Midsummer oh. is daytime, beautiful and you know, like like all okay, floral. For the like, original, I was gonna say with, the original Texas. With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. this one, yeah, you know, of course. I, like like that's what I'm saying. A return. We're seeing a return to form. Events. It's from the 70s. It's Leatherface being a spooky yeah, yeah, no. slasher villain. No, no, no. The, Honestly, to pull off what Tisa say, like like the, like we're we're coming back on that. I, I just yeah. wanted to list like a to, good example of something. To capstone the the Vaderization the. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, of Leatherface, I gotta say, name a more iconic duo: Leatherface and Wooden Doors in this movie. Oh my! I God. bet you can. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, that is the funniest fucking thing. Like, how many times in this movie does somebody try to stop Leatherface by closing a wooden door in front of him? So many times. Like. <laughs> like wooden doors famous for stopping chainsaws. We get that one instance in the original when Sally first runs into the house and closes the door and like, okay, you know, I get that. She's trying to make an obstacle that's going to take some time for him to get through. But in this movie, at a certain point, he doesn't even use the chainsaw anymore. At one point, he just punches through with both arms and grabs Jessica Beale through a wooden wall and it's just so cartoonishly over the top and stupid it's like how many times do we need to see leatherface bursting through a wooden door uh as many times as possible because this is the texas chainsaw massacre yeah, so we got to get some chainsaw they really in there i will say the yeah they the- <laughs> they they said they took this movie and they said you know what toby hooper's classic 1974 film doesn't have enough of chainsaws mm-hmm. and let's fucking 
<laughs> you get the most out of it, you know? They're they're in a meat locker at one point, and they, they cut through a big thing of meat with a chainsaw. Oh, yeah. There's several doors that are cut through. Well, he does, he kills way more people directly with the chainsaw, whereas in the last film, the only on-screen chainsaw death we actually see is Franklin, um, which... You know, makes the the film's title kind of a misnomer. It's not really a chainsaw massacre. Well, they're but... all like they're all like brutalized by chainsaws. Yeah. Well, like... I mean, most of them are killed by via being hit in the head with a hammer. Well, but then chopped up with a chainsaw. Sure, sure. So like like the chainsaw is still involved. Like no, they're not killed by the chainsaw, but their their corpses are brutalized yes, by chainsaws. Yeah, totally. So like it it works. I think it's time. We've talked about Leatherface. Let's talk about the basement. His fucking kill lair in this movie. I would like to once again compare it to something like the bone room in the original film, which is heavily dressed and extremely macabre and horrifying, but in a realistic way that feels realistic i mean it feels if yeah it, you can it walk feels, in there you it believe feels it natural it's like yeah it feels like something that uh you know a very mentally ill person has done you know made artwork and furniture and stuff out of bones yeah and, and, let, and let the chicken feathers get and that, let the chicken feathers awful. get bad because like yeah they're just not clean you know mm-hmm. and there's a chicken in in uh in a cage hanging there and it's like in this movie leatherface's like uh kill room is the basement which is dressed to the fucking from floor to ceiling but in like such a haunted house ass way with just like a bunch of random like chains and hooks and like a box full of fingers and toes and uh the most egregious and confusing thing is that there's constantly water dripping from the sea and not just like dripping but like pouring from the ceiling and the floor is all muddy and wet and flooded but where is that water coming from right this is like it's under just like a like a like a farmhouse like what what the fuck like, one, or like, like a plantation house like it's not a fucking industrial facility right like like i can like basements can be you know dank and wet and like if you have a leak in your pipes or something there might be some standing water but this is like constantly pouring yeah. water like where's like, it coming from like rain almost and uh i i think my my theory on why they did that is uh which i mentioned while we were watching it is expressly for the scene when uh jessica beale runs down there trying to get away from leatherface and falls into uh, a bunch of water so that her uh white tank top can become see-through so you can see her nipples yeah which is um it's like i i can think of no practical reason for having there be that much running water in that fucking basement except for no. that because i like, mean like it's a again, slasher movie we gotta see some tits and again it is an industrial amount of water like it is like constant it is like rainfall constantly from like every like crease and crevice of the ceiling and it's just a house it's just under a fucking house it's not under like a, a fucking uh damn you know it's not under like uh like a large facility the amount of water that they're pumping through that set is is massive i mean she falls into a couple of feet of standing water like when she first goes down the basement steps and like Like, a flooded basement sure like like over time like any basement can get flooded but like 
how quickly it's it's clearly flooded yeah it makes no sense and also on top of that like like that's already a critique but additionally too what is it we're always saying is so great about the original film it's hot you can feel the movie right this film not only does it have like a a cool like green blue early 2000s filter over it which is gross and awful which again makes it feel cool as shit like like yeah. like the whole point is like for it to feel like cold and dark um defeating again like the the purpose of like the the summer heat and humidity yeah it's also wet and not like in a in a in a humid way but like it's like cold and dank like a dungeon and this isn't a fucking castle like how many yeah. times do I have to say it like like it's not a it's not a fucking like castle dungeon like that leather face has it's a kill room an old southern house where it's hot and it it just doesn't make any goddamn sense and it makes me mad it is pretty funny uh when she finds her stoner friend who has been hung up on a meat hook uh but the the meat hook is he's hanging above a piano (laughs) and and she's like which is just funny yeah well that's the thing is like that's it's funny because she's like trying to get him down and she's like trying to stand up on the piano so the whole scene is accompanied by just like banging of piano keys and it's not scary or tense or anything it's it's hilarious yeah it's great it feels and slapstick like, but but the weird thing is is like like the intent behind it because we're giggling our asses off because like he's under he's under the piano and he's like like kicking his legs and it's like tinkling it and there's there's credence to that scene being comedically horrifying you know, like in the original film, like we're we're supposed to like, we laugh, but we feel guilty or like weird about it. But we don't get that because yeah. uh, for a couple of reasons, but primarily because the, once again, the music is telling us it's a serious, dark moment and like it's getting like really over dramatic. We're getting like the whole line of strings playing at this point. We're supposed to be like really sad about this character's death when this character hanging on the hooks has been uh, a six pack. And that's it. Like, the guy has, like, abs, and yeah, that's his entire character. Him, no. He is so flat. Yeah. There's an earlier scene where I forget exactly what happens. Like, he comes back out of, oh, like, yeah, the room with the all the jars. Character. It's the pretty boy Yeah, character. it's the pretty boy. And, like, like he comes out of, like, the, the room, like, the kitchen room with all, the, like, the jars and fucked up shit in the fridge. And literal flaps of skin hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, like, flesh yeah. hanging from the ceiling. And Jessica Biel asks him, what was it? I don't even remember what she asks him, but the point is, is that like his reaction, his to, delivery, his reaction to being in that room is nothing. It's like so flat. That's supposed to be like the true equivalent of the bone room scene where like they stumble into this uh-huh. room. And it's like, oh, my God, this is weird and horrifying. Yeah. But he doesn't seem that concerned that like there's he walks into the kitchen and there's f- slabs of meat and flesh hanging all over the kitchen from the ceiling he goes and he looks in the fridge which like first of all who does that in somebody else's house yeah Uh, and there's literally a jar of eyeballs in the fridge yeah and he, he has no and he reaction just, to and it. And he just he has no reaction yeah. to it. He closes and, and it. Jessica Biel comes back and he says something along yeah, the lines of like, yeah, we should probably leave. You yeah, know, let's, like, we like should, let's get we, we should go. Like, it's just it's just such a flat fucking delivery. Because they're looking, they're looking for her like, boyfriend. It's like, yeah, I didn't find him. Let's this, get out of this here. This actor could give no shits. Is just phoning it in. And then, like, when he's put up on this meat hook, we're supposed to care about him. Well, also, like, we're supposed to give a shit about he, this guy. Because the music is telling us, like, oh, feel sad. There's lots of strings. You know, he tells 
well, he tells her to 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 like finish him off, to mm-hmm. kill him because she can't get him down from the meat hook. He's had you know one of his legs cut off, right. so you know like he's he's begging her to like end his suffering. But because none of these characters are likable, at we don't all, sympathize. We don't it's suffer like, with yeah. them. Well, and then and then also her way of putting him out of his misery is to stab him in the stomach and then walk away. And he dies instantly from being stabbed in the stomach. In which the is, gut. It's ain't, like, ain't how yeah, that do. no, that's like a horrible, like, it's like the worst painful way, way to, to die. Yeah. As, as Tarantino just, has told us, like, yeah. uh, you, you, <laughs> gut wounds take a long time to die from. Uh, a director who's, who's taken his time with the research. Yeah. I, I would defend him too much, but it's, it's Tarantino. But, like, the, yeah, like, we, we know. Like, we, we, we get that, like, a gut wound is, uh, is, is not really necessarily immediately fa- fatal yeah. in any capacity. And he just kind of dies instantly. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to it's supposed to be like a, a, a heartrending moment, but they've done such a bad job like making us care about these characters. It's more just like, okay, finally there's one more character dead. Now we're we're that much closer to the end of this movie. Like there's a quota of people who have to die. There goes another one. I'm tired of uh recounting plot points in this. Yeah. There's a lot of chasing through like sets that don't need to be there it's too yeah. it's too like there's well, that's whole... how that scene ends as she she leaves uh or she she tries to make her escape the boy tries to lead her out and she goes down this long like trench hallway that again makes no sense with the set right exactly and they end up and then there's like leatherface chasing them into like the old house in the woods and then chasing and then chasing and you know there's the part where the other girl, or no, she runs into like the trailer with like the fat lady. Not even we're talking about. Who's, they're stealing babies or something. He chases her into the meat factory. It's like, I, I love the simplicity of the original. It's like all just around this singular location of this one house. And it's like, this is just like a bad, like a bad haunted house ride. It's just like one overdone spooky set piece to the next. It's just like, it doesn't do anything. No. One shot that I want to mention from the meat factory that yeah. is hilarious. I think I was, is, if it's the one I'm thinking uh, about, yeah, it up to. Jessica Biel as the final girl. She uh, grabs a cleaver. Yeah. And ends up cutting Leatherface's arm off. Pretty easily, too. Yeah. Like, with. <laughs> just, just a, a few, couple just swings. a couple of good swings yeah, and like leatherface is huge like he's a big fucking farm boy like and it's like there's yeah, no way you know there's a lot of meat and bone you got to get through you know but she just hacks his arm a yeah. couple of times and the thing comes off and it's his chainsaw arm and probably my favorite shot in the movie no, nothing is scarier too than, than a villain whose like arm can be like easily hacked off yeah. like well i mean wow. it's scary because mm-hmm. he doesn't it doesn't slow him down it doesn't stop him but we do get a really hilarious moment where uh the arm is still holding the chainsaw which is still running and once again it's like slapstick the the chainsaw is making the arm spin around rapidly on the floor and we get this this moment of like leatherface trying to bend down and pick up his own severed arm with the other arm but he can't get it because it keeps spinning and it keeps having to dodge the chainsaw blade 
absolutely hilarious. Like, really, really funny. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of shit that I would expect to see in, like, a, a horror a horror comedy. Yeah, if all of this movie was like that, this movie would Would rule. be awesome! It'd yeah. be fantastic! Yeah. This movie would own. The problem is, none of the rest of the movie is like that, you know? Yeah. Outside of, like, the surprise possum... Or uh, <laughs> the the or, or, or like Arlie Ermy, yeah. yeah. Uh, it really doesn't hit that spot. And you know, we could keep talking about specific scenes, but I want to talk about one scene that isn't in there that made me so upset, and that's the dinner sequence. We don't get a good dinner sequence analog in this movie, and that is the best sequence yeah. of the original. And to just cut it out and end this movie so anticlimactically is beyond frustrating. I mean, why don't we yeah. go ahead and talk about the ending? It's because I'm I'm ready to get to it. Because like you know, you're you're so right. You you are you are absolutely right. I have, I have little to well, add to well, it because of that. Here's where I'll push back a little bit. And like I agree that the dinner scene is the best part of the original movie. And because of that, I think ultimately I'm kind of glad that they didn't try to do it in this movie because based off of how they handled everything else, do you think they would have done that scene any kind of justice? No. Or would it have just made you more mad at at seeing how how poorly it's handled? The problem is ending it in the anticlimactic way that it does is worse well, in my no, opinion I, I, I because there's that. no catharsis of a big no, the movie set just piece. Gonna end suddenly. Yeah, and like even if they do it poorly, at least you have a climactic sequence to point to. Oh, see, this well, movie doesn't really have that. I think it depends on what your definition of climactic is. I agree with you. I think that like what the way they they do end it instead is is much less effective but thinking about like the general approach they've taken to this movie it really makes a lot of sense because the filmmakers are obviously thinking oh a scene where they sit down at a dinner table that's boring nobody even dies in that scene wouldn't it be way more exciting if leatherface chases her into a meat factory instead and ooh what if she cuts his arm off like that that is obviously their train of thought they yeah. were thinking that the dinner scene is not climactic enough because they're making a film for the lowest common denominator for little babies who <laughs> uh, who are entertained when you jangle keys in front of their face, you know? Like, that's what the whole last act of this movie is, is it's a long, drawn-out chase sequence because they have to keep the high... They have to keep the high energy because sitting down and dealing with something that is truly macabre is not exciting enough. There's got to be action. Yeah. You know, we've got to have her being picked up by the truck driver and him driving her back to the gas station where we know all the bad people are. And I, got, she, I, got, I got, I got thoughts on that. Cause yeah. like, uh, just, just, just to it's come full quickly. circle. She's become the traumatized hitchhiker, right? Like they, they pull that shit where it's like, Oh, now she's the traumatized one. And I hate it because the truck driver was just like driving in that direction. Yeah. Like he was not trying to stop. He was not trying to do anything other than just keep going and get her out of there. 
like and it's clear it is ever present like that that is that is the situation and she sees the gas station she says no we have to go the other way like the chick from from the beginning and grabs the wheel and f- and and forces the truck to stop yeah. like like so now she's stuck there of her own volition and and man isn't that a great way to relate to your protagonist when they fuck themselves over well, like, yeah, and, and arlie ermie is there in his cop car and when the truck slams on the brakes you know he knows that she's in the truck yep like if they just kept going yeah it would have been fine but you know then like the original if, she, if they just like you know. also we haven't mentioned this but like at some point during the chase sequence and i don't know if it's before or after they go into the meat factory it starts raining and once again like it does disservice to like the hot sweltering you know atmosphere of the original one it's like ah it's nighttime and it's spooky so we got to make it raining now right even though it's like the point of the texas chainsaw massacre is that it's it's hot it's uncomfortable it's not about like a dark and stormy night that's the whole fucking like horror cliche yeah, uh, it fucking stinks. Are y'all ready to write? Yes. Yeah. Like, get me away from this film. It's uh, time. It's yeah, over with. this one, this is a disaster. Uh, it's fucking terrible. Oh, we should mention uh, one thing that makes the whole movie make a lot more sense that we realized when the credits rolled. It was produced by Michael Bay. Oh, um, yeah. So- oh, and also, like, uh, yeah, like, the, the film ends with a cut back to the, the found footage. With of, the, the, the of, the poli- yeah, of the police uh, investigating the house after the event and Leatherface is there and attacks the cop. Ah, yeah. cool, whatever. Um, yeah, this thing fucking sucks. Yeah, because I, I didn't realize that was the ending, too. Like, before the credits rolled, like, it, it cut back to that and I was like, okay, what's what's going on here? And and then suddenly the credits were like, oh, I guess I guess the movie's over. Uh, cool. I mean, thank God, yeah, thank honestly. God. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that was the ending. Like it was it was so poorly telegraphed, uh, like like displayed. But anyway, yeah, good yeah. Um, no, this was a bad time. Uh, I don't ever want to see this movie again. No. It uh, it does absolute shame to the original, which was already a really high bar that I didn't expect this movie to meet. Anyway, um, yeah, this is this is a really fucking bad one. It's going to be a one and a half out of five for me. Yeah, it was hard, honestly, for me not to give this a half star because it is truly awful, especially in comparison to the original. The only thing that's going to keep me from giving it a half star is Arlie Ermey, which again, he doesn't deserve a role like this. He's so much better than that, but. He, you know, saves every scene that he's in at the least. He at least made parts of this movie watchable. Yes. Uh, So I'm going to give it a one star. Yeah, like there are there are some sequences that made me giggle, like the possum and the the arm getting cut off. And I think it's just a shame that like the the highlights of this of this film are things that made me giggle. Yeah. Um, Compared to the original. uh, I'm going to ditto that with uh, one star and uh, fuck this film. Fuck it into the ground. I hate it. It makes me angry. Yeah. I mean, if you want more Texas Chainsaw, watch uh, Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah, I'm curious. uh, By Toby Hooper, also. Yes, the legend. Um, (laughs) Oh, one little bit that I want to ask you guys about before we wrap up here is uh, after the success of Freddy vs. Jason back in the mid to late 2000s, they were talking about making different kinds of those movies. And one they proposed was Michael Myers vs. Leatherface. (laughs) 
gross. Yeah. How do you think that would turn out if they did it? Fucking terrible. I'm just trying to, like, thread a plot together with those two, and it's not threading. How do you get the two to interact with each other to begin with? You don't. Uh, well, that's it, the thing. What, I a, feel what like a fucking mess. While neither are definitely, like, real, real. I mean, Leatherface is more so than yeah. Michael Myers. Compared to Freddy Krueger or Jason, yeah, like those characters are very fantasy in that, like, they're larger than life, distinctly supernatural as well. Yeah, and by by the ends of their Jason, by the end of their <laughs> several films into and the franchise, the whole thing with both Leatherface and Michael Myers is the horror comes from the the grounded to reality aspect yeah. of them and to put them up against each other. I would hate, I would hate that. It I just, would hate that. I don't think it would work. I can't imagine. And I mean, what it also really comes down to in that scenario is who wins in a fight, a kitchen knife or a chainsaw. And it's the chainsaw. The chainsaw wins. Yeah. <laughs> like Michael you, Myers can teleport though. Well, we I mean, to... if, we're, if it's this leather face, so can he, you know? So, yeah. uh, no, that would have been a fucking disaster i'm glad that didn't happen yeah i guess michael myers is smarter i guess than leatherface and so he's got an edge there uh it's extremely stupid honestly though like if i was given it like the the only answer is is to go full ham like you'd have to go like total total like nonsense and that's how they get it and that's how they get away with freddy versus jason i haven't seen that movie in years so i don't know how it holds up i've never seen it it's total nonsense like it's complete fantasy bullshit so i think that like if you embrace that and push that then okay fine (laughs) but uh yeah i'm glad that that movie never happened i don't want to see it by the way, that will our our average rating for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 will be a 1.2 out of 5 pods. Avoid this one, folks. If yeah. you haven't seen it, uh don't. I don't recommend it, especially yeah. if you have any kind of fondness for the original film. It's just going to make you mad. I'd I'd say like there might be there might be value uh in watching it as like a study of how to fuck of how to fuck like, something how to, up. how to really yeah. not do a film. Like I, how I did miss, how to miss the point I, of your source material. Do, uh, do I do I feel like my time was wasted watching this movie? I really don't. I, I feel like I did gain in in like how to not do something. And if, like I think that there's value in that. But if we, uh, if we hadn't been watching it from an analytical perspective to talk about on. No, this looking podcast, for entertainment. Absolutely not. Then I would have felt my time was wasted. Yeah, if I, I just watched this movie there's just so for the sake films. of watching it, I would. Yeah, I would have considered it a yeah, waste of time. Like academically, I guess, like there's there's some credence. Like, <laughs> sure. If you yeah, be I mean, really masturbatory. Like, but like you said, it's a it. perfect case study in how to. Uh, miss the point of your source material and uh, fuck up a remake. But you know, you know what I really fucking hate. You know, maybe maybe I should uh, actually like look up some some information on this before just assuming. But like my my general assumption too, considering like the the style of this film and the making of it, is is that there are a lot of people out there who think that this is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. and love it. Like, and I I'm well aware of that. Like that there are there are probably a lot of that people was out me there who until think this I was film a, is amazing. That was me until I was a teenager. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. What a, what a, what a, what a fucking travesty. I mean, I, I didn't see this, but I thought I did think this was the original. We've watched yeah. a lot of remakes on this podcast, but I think this might be the worst, the worst. we've watched. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, I'm hard pressed to think of a, even, of a worse one. 
first one. Even the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Nightmare on Elm Street, My Bloody Valentine. Ooh, I forgot about My Bloody Valentine. They're bad, but yeah. I don't think they're as bad as this. No, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. It might be recency bias, but I maybe my bloody Valentine. That one was pretty rough, but uh, yeah, this one fucking uh, this one's a real doozy. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you everybody for joining us for uh, for our three year pot anniversary, um, our original versus remake. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Teeth Where They Should Be. Put those teeth back in the right spot, folks. That's right. Uh, next week it'll be back to business as usual, and uh, we're uh, going to be moving on to Ben's pick. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about yes. what we're going to be watching? Uh, so I. I'm really excited to talk about this movie. I've already seen this movie, but it's quickly become one of my favorites of the year. And this movie oh, is a little movie, movie called God. Spree. And it came out just this year. It's a very postmodern horror movie. Horror comedy, I would say. Hmm. Um, and I am super excited to talk about it. This is one that I prioritized immediately because... I can't go all year without talking about it because I know it'll be on my uh, best of list at the end of the year. So Sweet. Well, uh, I'm hoping it'll be on mine as well in that case. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, tune back next week to uh, hear us talk about Spree. Uh, until then, if you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts and a nice review. Uh, especially if you've uh, been a longtime listener of the show, if you've been with us for three years or, you know, however long and, and you want to help spread the love, uh, that's a great way to do it. Uh, having higher ratings helps us get into more people's recommendations and their ears. Um, so we would really appreciate if you do that. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and check out our Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all of the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Deep State Aussie. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studio as we further progress on It Stares Back. You know the drill. Uh, Halloween, keep your eyes open. Uh, things are coming. Um, uh, and I'm staying that vague about it. Swiggity swooty. Uh, you, can, <laughs> you can also check out my work on ArtStation if you search Cleveland Mosier. Um, uh, yeah, check out check out my, my super cool uh, paintings and doodles. And of course, I am uh, putting in work uh, with Dread XP as uh, we um, come up on the release for the Dread X Collection Volume 3. This one... Oh my god, I, uh, I've been playing the games on it, and they're, they're real good, y'all. <laughs> like, this game's gonna fucking rock. Um, so yeah, get hyped for that, too. And uh, that's it for me. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being with us, humble pod boys, for this whole time. Thank you for giving us a reason to keep doing this dumb show. Uh, it certainly keeps us entertained, and we hope it does you, too. Uh, so until next time... I didn't think this far ahead. Texas Chainsaw 2003 sucks. <laughs> ah.